I cannot tell you how orderly this service has been today for what God wants to speak to your heart. I cannot even begin to tell you. God wants to tell us something today. God wants to help us today. And everything that has transpired thus far has been right on cue. And I expect for God to do something before we leave here today. Before this service ends, God is going to do something in this place today. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Amen. When you're there, say amen. 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 Back in the day, I used to hear Bible pages. Nowadays, we just get there. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Again, thank God for all of you being here this morning. Amen. Thank God for his goodness and his mercy. And uh, we want God's will to be done today. Verse 36 says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. You can save yourself. I know we want to think it's all on God, but you have something to do with your salvation. You can save yourself. Tell your neighbor you can save yourself. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about three thousand souls you may be seated I don't know if I'm preaching to you today I don't know if I'm teaching to you today I don't know if I'm just talking to you today but what I have entitled the word of the Lord today is this so what is this all about so what is this all about what is this all about Oftentimes we come to church, we read our Bible, we listen to the preacher, and we even pray. We sing songs, we listen to songs. We listen to the musical instruments and all the wonderful things that transpire doing or during a church service. But I don't know if we walk away sometimes, or even while we're in the service, if we ask ourselves, what is this all about anyway? What is this all about? Why am I doing this? What is this supposed to do for me? It seems like it's the right thing to do, but what is it supposed to do for me? What is this all about? 
And I don't know if you have, you have asked yourself that. And even if you've asked yourself that, I don't know if you could articulate what this is all about. It's very important that you understand what this is all about. I heard Brother Chester Wright preach the other day at the Apostolic Conference. And of course, by now, you probably heard about the Youth Congress with over 34,000 people in a stadium worshiping and praising God together, right? And Brother Chester Wright said, Oh, what powerful time we had. Music was just on the mark. The singing was just amazing. Worship and praise. All of it was just uh, just awesome. He said, you can't get no better church service than that. But if we talk about church service, he said, that's the pinnacle of a church service. And you probably couldn't get a better church service. And so, if that's all we look forward to, then we're going to become frustrated. After a while, this is not going to be good to us or satisfactory to us. Or it's not even going to encourage us because there's a time where we're going to have a great service. And it's going to be great. Maybe nothing happened and nothing. Uh, maybe you, 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 know, you, you experience the presence of God, but you walk out and you feel like, well, that was great. But that's all it really was. We experienced something good, just like going to a concert, just like going to a sporting event. It was great. I, I, I had just this great elated feeling and things were just wonderful, but nothing changed. And so I'm coming to you today. To preach to you, to talk to you, to teach to you the word of God that today before you leave, something, something in you will change. And you will not walk out of here the same way today. And you will not be the same person who you have been because where God has you right now is not where God intends to leave you forever. So wherever you are, where, wherever you are in your relationship with God, whether it's great, whether it's okay, or it's not good, that is not where God intends for you to stay forever. Amen. If it's great, He wants to take you to greater. If it's mediocre, He wants to take you to great. And if it's bad, He wants to take you to good. But He don't intend to leave you where you are today. So what is this all about? What is this all about? I'm going to point out to you four things this is all about. Four things that this is all about. The first thing I'm going to point out to you that this is all about is revelation. Somebody say revelation. revelation. That's the first thing this is all about. What is revelation? Revelation is God making himself known to you. Revelation is God making himself known to you. Can I tell you that a lot of us that have followed process or procedure or formula to call ourselves Christians don't really know who God really is. 
And you wonder sometimes why the challenges become so difficult for us or why we experience so much failure or why we experience so many turmoil in our life. And I am here to tell you this morning, the main reason we suffer from so many turmoil and frustration and so many things in our life is because we have not settled and understand who God really is. Now I know it goes against your theology because you feel like you know him. Our actions normally dictate what we say we know. We can't, you, you can't hide what you think you know. Because you will live out what you think you know. And so whatever's in your mind is going to come out. Whatever's in your heart is going to come out in your actions. So no matter how much you think you know God, your actions will say if you do or you don't. And so the first thing this is all about is revelation. God revealing himself to you. Not to the church. Not to sister so-and-so. Not to brother so-and-so. Not to the pastor. But God revealing himself to you. That's the first thing we need to know what this is all about. Peter, when he preached to the church, I don't know if you understand what was going on with the text where we picked up. We picked up in Acts chapter 2 verse 1. It talked about the day of Pentecost. When God poured out his spirit and people were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and they spoke in a different language. That's what, matter of fact, let me just clear it up real quick. That's what tongues mean. Tongues don't mean something weird. Tongues just mean you speak in a different language. And so when God fills you with his spirit, the evidence that he fills you with his spirit is that you will speak a different language. That can be a language that's heavenly that nobody understands or it can be an earthly language like when the apostle first received the Holy Ghost, they spoke an earthly language. Okay? And so Peter was preaching to them about the Holy Ghost that this that you see is what Joel talked about. This that you are seeing right now, this is what the gift of the Holy Ghost is. And he was preaching to them, explaining to them about it. Then he switched gears in about Acts chapter 2 verse 14. Then he starts talking about who God is. And how David talked about God. David prophesied. Not only was David a king, but he was a prophet of God. And so he's telling you that God that, 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 that God will reveal himself and who God is and he's teaching that. And so he brought it to a climax when he says that God had made that same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ. Does anybody know what that means? Both Lord and Christ? Lord is equal to God. When you see Lord, when the Hebrew peoples say Lord, they meant God. The Lord God. So Lord is God. Now, just so you don't get confused, Sarah told, called Abraham Lord. But if God is our Lord and we are his children, we're baby lords. So just get that out of your mind thinking, well, no, no. God is Lord God. So when Peter preached and says, Lord 
and Christ, that you crucified the Lord and Christ. What Peter was saying is, you crucified God and the Savior, the Messiah. That's what Peter was telling them. So for people that don't understand that the Almighty God came down and manifest himself in flesh. You, you, you're not believing the word of God the way God has taught it to us, the way God has revealed it to us. Almighty God, in the beginning, didn't have a body. He operated as spirit. He did things as spirit. He just spoke and things happened. He made things happen just by speaking it. No body. Didn't carry it out in a form of a person. But then we deal with the whole, they used to sacrifice animals to remove our sins. And as I like the kid all the time, if we kept on sacrificing animals up to 2017, there would be no animals. We would starve. There would be no, we would all be vegans, not by choice, but because we didn't have a choice. If we were just still sacrificing animals to move our sins. So Jesus Christ says, we won't continue that way. That the, 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 the blood of animals will not be suffice always to remove your sin. And only a precious blood, the blood that, that, that is so valuable, the most valuable and precious commodity at the time when Jesus gave his life was his blood. What makes something valuable, Tony? What makes something valuable is the rarity. Now go find another blood like Jesus. Come on. Think in your mind. Where would we find another blood like Jesus? So the most precious thing was given for you and me. The most valuable thing was given for you and me. So almighty God couldn't find any man or woman walking the earth that was able to sacrifice their life for the good of all mankind. So he had to become a man and began to operate as a man, live and move and breathe, have blood and skin and flesh, just like us. But the difference between him and us, he was righteous, holy, and he never did one wrong thing. And so Peter preached to them and said, this man whom you have crucified is Lord and Christ. And they realized that it was prophesied to their forefathers that the Messiah was coming. It was prophesied that, that, that the Messiah was going to come and save them and establish his kingdom. And when they realized that they crucified the Messiah who was supposed to save them and establish his kingdom among them, they realized and said, oh no, what have we done? In the Hebrew, Jesus is the equivalent or what they like to say is in the Hebrew language, Jesus is Yahshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. So what the Bible is really telling us, if you really get into it and not just surfacely skim over it, but get into God's word, is telling you God is become our salvation in the man, Christ Jesus, because nobody else was capable of doing that. I don't know how we get... Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Because God ain't got no wife 
And I don't know how else babies can be born. So how did the sun come on the scene in heaven? Anybody can answer that? The sun came on the scene? Just all just pop up? If the sun just popped up, came on the scene, it wasn't qualified. What is this all about? First thing this is all about is revelation. The very first thing that we must understand about this whole thing of Christianity, God, the kingdom of God, all of this stuff that we talk about and have questions about, the very first thing we must know about it is revelation. And this morning I'm giving you revelation that the almighty God who was invisible became visible and he came to this earth because he loved you for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. When he he said he gave his son. He is saying I gave myself. But because he was the son of Mary and the son of, of, of Joseph, he had to call himself a son. Amen. Don't, don't you mistake that thing in some son came instead of God. God is so awesome and so amazing that he realized once I get into that earth and become a human, I have to have a mother and a father. He would be illegal. He wouldn't have authority. Oh, don't get me started. He could not come into this world without a real mother and father. He could not come to this world as, a, as, as God without a father. Unless he would have been illegal if he did that. He had to come as one of us. And remember I told you, that's why we have authority over demons. Because they are illegal. But you are legal. Don't ever forget that. That's why God says, I've given you power over the power of the enemy. That's why God has given you authority to cast out demons. Because demons are illegal. They don't belong here. But you belong here. Because God put you here. God called you into this world and established you. You are legal and demons are illegal. You need to tell a demon every time he messes with you. You illegal. Won't you get out of here? I command you in Jesus' name. Get out of my life. Get out of my home. You don't belong. Because you are illegal. I got my strut this week. I, I hate that I'm this way, but I'm this way because God made me this way. And what happened is, uh, you mess with me long enough, at some point in time, uh, I just get fed up. And I said, enough is enough. And I've come to that point of enough is enough. And I'm looking the devil square in the eye or anybody else that will oppose God, that will oppose the people of God. I'm looking them in the eye and say, what you got? What you come to do? I am the child of the living God. God has anointed me and appointed me and will work miracles through me. Taking my time today. If this is the last sermon you hear, it's supposed to change your life. Revelation. That's the very first thing that we got to know about what this is all about. And when you understand revelation, it will get you going down the right path. Once you receive revelation, now... I've given you revelation. You know, when we think revelation, we think some mythical, magical thing is just going to 
happened in our mind. But I just gave you revelation. I just explained to you who God is. So now God revealed himself to the apostles. Oh, my God. Lord, don't kill me this morning. Uh, so the Bible says, here are some people challenging the word of God. The Bible says we are, our foundation is laid by the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And we, we of the apostolic movement call ourselves apostolics. And for a while, even I myself, people said, well, what's this apostolic? What's important about that? I mean, you believe in the apostles' doctrine over Jesus Christ? But the word of God says that there is no other foundation that's been laid other than the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Why am I telling you that? Because the apostles and prophets received the revelation. They were the one. Peter was the one where the word of God came to him. And God said to him, who say I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. The first thing that must happen is revelation. You better know who God is. You better understand who God is. And when Peter understood the revelation of who God is, the Bible says, I give you the key to the kingdom. And from that point on, Peter was the one to preach the first sermon of the church and he explained salvation. We, we want to get all technical. We want to get all, you know, trying to be, uh, speak politically correct. I can't speak nothing but what the Bible says. Uh, I know uh, what the Bible says. Uh, and the Bible said the foundation is on the apostles and prophets. And then it says Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. What else do you want me to tell you? What I'm supposed to tell you? I'm, I'm a non-denominational? No, I'm apostolic. I'm not non-denominational. I'm not Baptist. I'm not Methodist. I'm not Lutheran. And I don't have no problems with any of them. All I know is the Word of God. I'm like the Apostle Paul. I know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I don't want no other knowledge. I don't want no other understanding. God will reveal to me what I need to know coming up with all these stuff coming up with all this stuff I'm this, I'm that, I'm that show me where it said that in the word of God because if you're not following what the apostles taught if you're not following what the apostles preach it means you have built on the wrong foundation and anytime we built on the wrong foundation when the winds blow when the storm comes when the rain falls it will destroy our home that we built because we build on the wrong foundation oh what is this all about? What is this all about? Once God revealed who he is, the almighty God, we have to recognize. Now, did you ever stop to ask yourself, how did he do that? How did God be become a man? How did he do that? I'm glad you asked. And that alone should make you understand why he's God and nobody else is. That's so simple to me. I'm glad that I couldn't understand everything about him. 
I'm glad that he was able to do things that nobody else can do. We want a God that is limited. We want a God that we can explain everything about. I don't want that God. What would make him any different than me? I want a God that is unexplainable at times. I want a God that says your ways are not like my ways. I want a God that says your thoughts are not like my thoughts. That's the God I want. Not a God that we, we can just explain everything about him. So once he revealed himself and you know that Jesus Christ is almighty God in the flesh. Church, I can't say this enough. You have to know that. And even when he's called son, just know that's still the almighty God, but he's being called son because he's under the submission of Mary and Joseph. And then he had to let you know that he wasn't operating. Once he grew up, he had to let you know, I'm not operating on my own. Look at submission. Look at how things work. While I'm here in the earth as man, I'm still God. But I'm going to show you that there's an authority over me. And every one of us in this place, if we're going to live for God, you will not make it without an authority over you. Because if Almighty God can come into this world, and He had to say, I came to do my Father's business. He didn't say, I came to do my business. He made sure we all understood. I'm operating. I'm doing somebody else's chore. I'm doing somebody else's responsibility. I'm doing somebody else's will. It is not my will. But the responsibility is upon me But it's not mine We're so afraid We're so afraid To go ahead and do something That belongs to somebody else We're afraid to, to, to get under somebody And says, hey I'm behind you Hey I will follow you Listen if you ain't being abused You better follow If you ain't being mistreated You better follow Because that's God's way Of doing his business Any other way you will not make it because of Jesus had to submit. Truth be told, I shouldn't be telling you this, but I can't help myself sometimes. Truth be told, it's easy to be just responsible for Jordan and Peyton. That's easy. I only have to be responsible for Richard and Nasir, they grown. All I need to be responsible for is Jordan and Peyton. That's it. That's who I, that's the only ones I need to tell what to do. And that's easy. That, I'm quite comfortable with that. I've raised two already. So to raise the next two, there ain't no problem. I'm fine. And so one of the worst things to feel is knowing that you're a pastor in a church where people have to submit to you, but they don't want to. And you're saying, I don't want you to submit to me. That's truth. I don't care if you submit to me. I don't want you to submit. That's my flesh. Don't take it disrespectfully. I'm not disrespecting you. I'm just saying, you don't understand this. This is about God. And so while you might come in here and say, I don't know if I want to be under him. Okay. Go someplace else that you can be under that person and feel good about it. I'm okay with that. See, I'm not into that. Listen, I'm not into that whole... um, you know, when you go, I want you to be in the very best place for you to be blessed and for you to grow in God and for you to be the best Christian. I am here. I told you I am here to serve you. I will get on my knees and wash your feet. I don't have. I love you. That's why I will let the. if you got to go someplace else to be the best you can. Oh, man, go, go, because I love you that much. I don't want you to stay here and it's not working for you because the way I preach don't, don't work with you. I, I, I don't want that for you. I want you to have the very best. Now, I don't want you to go. 
But I'm smart enough to know if you made up your mind to go and I'm trying to talk you into staying. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. What's my point, though, of telling you this? My point of telling you is in order for God's will to be done in your life, you're going to have to submit to somebody. You're going to have to give somebody authority in your life. We talked about in Bible study on Thursday. When David sinned, David was the king of Israel and David was a prophet. But guess who did this to David? You are the man, Nathan the prophet. You're telling me the king had to submit to the prophet of God? You're telling me the king of Israel, the man after God's own heart, had to submit to Nathan the prophet? Yes, because that's how God kingdom operates. That's all I'm trying to tell you. That's the only way it operates. So whatever you're going to do for God, you got to understand once you get to know who he is and you recognize that now you're going to have to let him do what he's going to do in your life. You got to submit. Listen, when we recognize who God is, you will understand what he's done for you. So think about this. Why do you think some of us are behaving the way we don't know who God is and we don't recognize what he's done for us? Because if we really realize what he's done for us, it will move us to action. I'll prove it to you. Here are some of the things God has done for us. The very first thing we got to know about God is that he loves us even while we were ignorant of who he is. So just think about that. Before you decide to go to church, before you even understand who God is, before anybody told you about God, you were being loved by God even though you didn't know him. That don't work. Nobody else does that. You think your neighbors see you once in a while coming out the house, getting in your car, driving to work? I love my neighbor. (laughs) You think they do that? They don't do that. And that's your neighbor. So just think about the almighty God. So he loves you even while you're ignorant of who he is. He has wonderful plans for your life to be a great success. Do you know that? That God has wonderful plans for your life. That your life will be a great success. This is why I don't have a choice but to make sure I do my very best to make sure your life is a success. Let me try and mess with your life and see what God does to me. This is what I know about my God. So I have to be honest and transparent and fair to you and do my very best for you. Because if I mess with you, I don't even want to deal with the Lord. Kill me, Lord, because his stuff is just, mm -mm. I don't want to mess with your life. I'm going to do everything I can to help you. I love you and I'm going to do everything I can to help you get where God is trying to take you. But God has wonderful plans for your life. He took on the responsibility of all your sinfulness and wrongdoings. Did you know that? That's probably one of the big problems right there. That's part of my notes. One of the big problems is we don't think we did anything wrong. We don't think nothing is, we don't think we were that bad. So we, we can't give God the credit that he deserves. Cause guess what? We weren't that bad. I wasn't that bad, God. I know you died for my sins, but I, I didn't murder nobody. I, 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 I didn't kill nobody. I didn't, I, I didn't treat people really bad. You know, they messed with me, so I just had to put them in their place. I was a good person. He spared your life when you didn't deserve it. If we continue in our sinful lifestyle, we reject Jesus Christ 
and his crucifixion. And we don't realize that. Every time we get up and just live the way we want, in a sinful way, we're rejecting what he's done for us. We're, 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 we're rejecting him. God, I hear you, but let me do my own thing. All that sacrifice you went through, that's cool, but I got to do me. All of what you thought about me, all the great things, all the great thoughts you have towards me, I hear you, but I need to do me. Just leave me alone, God. Let me do what I want. That's what we're doing when we don't decide to live for God. When we decide, when we live for ourselves, we don't really realize how we're rejecting God, how we're treating God, how we're making Him feel by how we're treating Him. Will you live your life rejecting Jesus Christ and all that He's done for you? Will you do that? Hmm. When you receive revelation and you recognize what the revelation is all about, then we must be provoked to respond. When we receive the revelation and we recognize what it's all about, we must be provoked. To respond to what God is saying. All those people Peter preached to received the revelation of who Jesus is, what he was, what what he has done for them, and how they have rejected him. Peter says, The God that you crucified is Lord and Christ. You caused him to be crucified. You rejected him. It was your fault why God was crucified. That's what Peter was preaching to them. He was making it clear that they, they lived a life that was just messed up and they rejected him and didn't care about what he did for them. That's what Peter told them. Once they recognized what Peter preached to them, they responded to the preaching. Their respond to Peter and to the rest of the apostles was, what shall we do? Now, that was, that was a good chunk of what I felt God had put into my heart to speak to you today about, is that phrase, what shall we do? And most of us living for God don't want to ask, what shall I do? The Apostle Paul, when God met him and revealed to him who he was, Saul, Saul, who... He said to him, you, you persecute me. And, 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 and Paul says, Saul says, who art thou, Lord? He says, I am Jesus. Y'all read that in your Bible? Why y'all looking at me like you ain't read? The Bible says in Acts chapter 9, talked about what happened to Paul in his conversion, that he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. And the Lord spoke to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul was like looking around, I don't see nobody. So he just said, well, who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, God? That's what Paul was saying. Who are you, God? And his response was what? It says, it is Jesus whom thou crucified, who thou persecuted. Now think about that. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? He knew that voice was coming from out of heaven because he's looking around. I don't see anybody, but I'm hearing this voice. 
Who can do that? Only God can do that. So he says, who art thou, Lord, meaning who are you, God? And he says who he was. I am Jesus. So understand that God's name is Jesus. Right? So when we meet people, we normally meet them from their title perspective. But not until they say, I am Chuby, that they formally introduce themselves to you. And Jesus formally introduced himself to the Apostle Paul. He called him God, but you know what? Anybody can be called a God. Anything can be called a God. We know about idols have been called God. So when he says God, he says, I have to distinguish who I am. I'm just not any God. I am Jesus. We get in this thing? Revelation. God is God wants you to know who he is. And so they said, what shall we do? And my question to all of us this morning is, how often do we say to God, what shall I do? Or do we just do what we feel? Or do we ignore what God has put into your heart to do? And I'm telling you, the million dollar prize today is you grabbing a hold of that question. God, what shall I do? If the beginning of the church started with the people saying, we recognize who you are, God, and so we know we've messed up. What do you want us to do, God? If that's how the church got started, shouldn't we continue as the church like that? Every time something is go, something go wrong, we need to look to God and says, God, what shall I do? Not what my neighbor should do, not what your mother should do, not what your spouse should do, but what should you do? We like to say, well, they messed with me, they did this and they did that. It was because they wasn't right and that one wasn't right. We like to say the reasons why we did or didn't do something. But I'm preaching to you this morning to tell you, if you're a child of God, if you've received the revelation of who God is, if you recognize it, it doesn't matter what transpired or who done you wrong or who treated you bad. What you have to say to God is, what must I do. God ain't asking you what the next person should do because the next person have to go to God to solve God. The next person have to go to God the same way you go and say, God, I messed up. What do you want me to do? Everybody got to go to God for themselves and say, God, what do you want me to do? can't blame nobody. We can't put it on nobody. Everybody got to go to God. And I don't care how good the excuse is. God wants you to come to him and ask what you must do. Last Thursday, I told you all in Bible study, not this past Thursday, the last Thursday, I told you all in Bible study what happened to Ahithophel. Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. And when David murdered her husband, and messed up her marriage, grandfather had every right to be angry. He had every right to be mad. But God don't give none of us permission to execute justice. (laughs) We get mad and we want to do what we want. And God is saying, Ahithophel, I know you hurt. 
Ahithophel, I know it was bad, and I know David did wrong, but that's my responsibility. I made him king, and so I got to deal with him. It's not for you to get so angry that you got bitter till your spirit got messed up, and now you ended up hanging yourself because your spirit got ruined, and it's something you didn't do. Ahithophel hung himself, and really and truly, why did he do that? Because he got mad and angry because somebody did him wrong. Don't you let nobody do you wrong. You get so angry that it just consume you. Remember what I told you. Bitterness only destroys the container that carries it. Don't let nobody get you to the point of you so angry and you get so bitter and you get so upset and you get so mad that you now walk around and your spirit just bad. Do you let that person have control over you? And that person got to go to God for what they did to you. So why worry about them? This is why God says pray for your enemies. Because when people do you wrong, God stand in your stead. And God says, I got this. Stand back. I'm going to handle this for you. Don't, don't even worry about it. They did you wrong. I got this. You should stay quiet. You don't have to say one word. I got, I got this. Don't you want God to say, I got this? You want to go get it yourself or do you want God to work it out? You don't have to worry about people doing you wrong. You don't have to worry about how they treated you. Let God take care of it and say, I got you. I'm getting there. What is this all about? And so, we need to ask ourselves, what must I do? What must I do? Because if we don't ask ourselves that, we're going to be in trouble. What must I do? And how do I fix the problem? When are we going to ask God, what must I do? How do I fix what I've done wrong? Can we, can, can we just begin to just make that be comfortable in our soul? What must I do, Lord? How do I fix that? Because I made a mess. I didn't do right, God. How do I fix that? We have to become comfortable with that to say, how do I fix it? And when you get a relationship with God, when you start asking them that, and when you go to go fix it, because sometimes he's going to want you to go to somebody and say something to them. Guess what? It's easier to say something to them because as long as I made it right with him, it's all that matters. Remember when David sinned, David prayed to pray. He says, you have I sinned against Lord, thee, O Lord. So really, we need to make it right with God. Listen, that's the hardest part is making it, is making it right with God. Once I make it right with God, you're easy. And so what, what happens to us a lot of times is we never go and make it right with God. We never go and say, what shall I do? And when he tells you, fix it. Because once you do that, then it's a piece of cake talking to somebody else. Because that, that's when you go and say, man, I messed up. Right. And they wondering, wondering how you just flowing like that, just saying you messed up. He's like, please, me and God done had, I done cried all my tears and rolled around and all this stuff and moaning and groaning with God. So now I'm just talking to you and tell you I messed up. That's easy, please. <laughs> that's easy. I can handle that. And so the next thing that always follow. Well, before I get there, let me say this. One of the greatest travesty in the church is we don't respond to the word of God that's spoken to us. Yeah, I know you're quiet on that. We don't respond to the word of God spoken to us. I'm going to get into something before I close out here. Every time the word of God is preached to you, there must be a response. That is why there's an opportunity to come to the altar every time 
I close. But many of you decide you're going to sit where you want to sit. But what you don't realize is that is your opportunity, the altar. Maybe you didn't know, so I'm not going to rough you up. But understand this. When the preach word has gone forth, if you will do something about it, if you will respond to it, that's when you get out of your seat by faith and come to the altar to respond to God. Amen. I'm going to show you two things real quick. When the people... When Peter was preaching to the people and Peter explained to them who God is and everything like that. Did they say, God, tell me what to do. And God told them what to do. When the apostle Paul got struck down and went to the, went to the ground and, and now he said, what must I do? God never told him exactly what to do. God used the man to tell him what to do. God used the man to tell those people that Peter preached to what to do. That's why I'm trying to tell you, going back to what I told you earlier, you're going to have to kind of like the person, kind of appreciate the person that, that you know, you're allowing to minister to your soul because, because that's who God is going to use most of the time to speak to you, not you just hearing some audible voice. So a lot of times when you're saying, God, what must I do? He's going to allow me to speak it to you. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> Woo. What must I do? And God is going to not say a word. Because the word that I'm speaking is his words echoing through me. And that's going to be your answer. And the question is going to be now back to you. Are you going to do now that you've asked God what must be done? God is going to let me speak to you what needs to be done. And the question will be, what are you going to do? Very seldom you're going to hear that audible voice. Very seldom you're going to get that impression and that thought in your heart and your mind of what God is telling you. This is the reason that we come together like this, because God is going to speak to you. By what I'm saying. The altar should be the place of response where we come. And by getting out of your seat and walking up, you're exercising faith. It has nothing to do with the preacher. I was telling Brother Barry the other day that I learned this a long time ago. My submission to my pastor, and I love my pastor, but my submission to him wasn't because of who he was as a man. Because as a man, he's got flaws just like every man. But as a man of God, and me understanding who God is, oh, I'm submitting to him. That's how it works. So you're always going to have to be submitted to somebody with flaws. You're going to have to be submitted to somebody that may uh, not always get it right. But the question is, will you? I'm sure Nathan wasn't perfect in his life. But when he did this to David, thou art the man. (laughs) Because submission is all about God. It's never about people. And I got that revelation back in the day. I said, God, you bad. And so when I submitted, I, you know, I didn't, it didn't matter to me. I can smile all day long and just enjoy my life. And you might say, man, he crazy. I ain't doing that. I'm doing it because I'm submitted to God. 
And I know he's got my back and he's taking care of me. How much confidence and trust do you have in God if he says who he is? If that God that we're supposed to be worshiping is who he says he is, why am I even hesitating? Why am I even concerned about responding and doing what he wants me to do? If he says he is who he is. Let me throw one little sidebar in again. Yesterday, I had to season the jerk chicken. And early in the morning, I got up. As you know, it looked cloudy in the morning. It was cloudy. And I'm just like, man, this day don't look too good. And so we checked our phones. Okay. It's not going to rain today. It's going to be a little cloudy. And then after that, the sun's going to come out. I said, okay, it's not going to rain. So I'm Because I was thinking about, should I season up the chicken Monday or should I do it Saturday? Now, look, it's going to rain Monday. I said, then I'm going to have to do it Saturday. And so I'm driving. And then couple of dribbles of rain fell on my windshield. I'm like, oh, man, I thought the weatherman said it wasn't going to rain. I kept on driving, buying the seasoning and going back home because I knew the weatherman said it wasn't going to rain. It's not going to rain. And I got to season up my chicken. And then I got here for prayer yesterday and it hit me like a ton of bricks. That was a lot of confidence you put in the weatherman, Wayne. <laughs> now think about your life. When you wake up in the morning, do you check the weather to see what you're going to wear? And do you wear what you wore because the weather said this is what it's going to be like? You're going to listen to the weather, but you won't listen to Jesus. Yeah, I had to talk to myself like that yesterday. Wayne, you're going to listen to the weather, man? You're going to keep buying your season? Just know it's not going to rain. Now, you know it's not going to rain. You're just certain it's not going to rain. One of the things why I listened to was because I really wanted to season of the chicken. I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to wait till Monday. So we like to listen to things that we want. And when God speaks to us and we don't want it, we don't listen. But God is loving and God is kind and God is faithful. And because we have done so many wrong, when God tells us something, it goes against what we like. But we just got to know God has our best interests at hand. And while it don't feel good right now, while things are not feeling like the way I want it to and it's not working the way I want to, it's all right because God has my best interests in hand. We talking about responding. And so, how will we ever change if we don't respond? How will we ever change? How would transformation take place in our life if we never respond to God? I had an experience yesterday. Went to Whole Foods. So I'm buying my stuff at Whole Foods. And I had a lot of stuff in the cart. And so, this lady slide up behind me. Um... Looked like she's fit, exercise. She had her green juice in her hand. And she was doing one of my numbers. I ain't going to tell you what my, one of my numbers is. But when you're trying to rush a little bit and you're trying to get it done, and I'm taking out chicken nonstop. Chicken, chicken, chicken. And she got this green juice, just one green juice. And I'm chicken, chicken, chicken. And so I just felt like, you know what? Here I am, always trying to be the people pleaser, trying to always make it work for everybody. I told the cashier, scan her juice. I'm going to pay for her juice. I got it. No, 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 no. Scan her juice. She said, this juice costs $8. Scan her juice. And her juice got scanned. 
and she was stuck in her tracks, didn't know what to do. She had her $10 in her hand, and she was like, well, let me give you. I said, no, I bought your juice for you. Then she looked behind her. Can I give you? No. Nobody took her $10. She had. She did not know what to do because she was just like, oh, my goodness, what is happening here? This Somebody bought this juice for $8 other than me? And she got her juice and went on. She, she, she just, thank you so much. Thank you so much. She, she didn't know what to do. And even the people behind her came up to me, man, man, some dude don't even know me. Gave me a real tap like, man, that, that's some real stuff right there. I'm a, but here is my point. I don't want you to miss my point. My point was she wanted to do something because I did something for her. She wanted to do something back, Eric. She wanted to do something nice because somebody did something nice. For an $8 bottle of juice. What has God done for you? Did he just gave you a free $8 bottle of juice? Is, Is that all he gave you? And even for that lady that just got an $8 bottle of juice, she was all, almost bowing. What is wrong with us? So what is this thing all about? Don't you understand what God has done for you and what he intends to do for you? He's going to give you more than an $8 bottle of juice. Will you just respond to God and just show your appreciation? And guess what? Pay it forward. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. God has done some really good things for you. Receive it. Embrace it and pay it forward. So what is this thing really all about? And I'm done here. It's about revelation. And once you receive revelation, you have to recognize. You have to recognize what's going on. And then the next thing. Is salvation. I'm going to finish up. Salvation is the second thing. So the first thing is revelation. What is this all about? First thing, revelation. The second thing, salvation. And so salvation is to be saved. Salvation is deliverance. Salvation denotes the whole process by which mankind is delivered from all that would prevent them Attaining to the highest good that God has prepared you for. So when you embrace salvation, it means you're saved. It means you're delivered. And it means that you, God will preserve you for what he intends to do in your life. That's when you have obtained salvation. And that's the second thing this thing is all about. The first thing is revelation. The second thing is salvation. And salvation starts with repentance. Somebody say salvation starts with repentance. I'll be done in a second. But it's just a couple things that God needs me to say to you. Repentance. Repentance is confessing your sins to God and asking him for his forgiveness. God dropped this on me last night. Many of us don't repent for some reason or another. 
Can I tell you this? There is no disgrace in repentance. There's no disgrace in confessing your sins and asking God to forgive you of yours. There's no disgrace to come to an altar or to kneel in your seat or to wherever you are, ask God to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory. Get out of your mind the kind of sin you committed or he committed or she. Forget it. We all have sinned and sin is sin to God. Confessing and repenting. It's, it's, it's just what we all have to do. There is no disgrace in that. You know what the disgrace is? Is concealing your sin and not confessing and asking for forgiveness of your sins. So, here's this. Many of us are walking around with hardened hearts and we don't realize it. When we don't confess our sins and ask God to forgive us, our hearts become hardened. Ahead of fell. Because usually what makes your heart harden is, it didn't start out by you doing wrong. It started out by your hurt. And so when you get hurt, you're not thinking about confessing of sins. You're thinking about how things have been done to you. There's nothing wrong with that. We all get hurt. And yes, it's just terrible when you get hurt and you don't want to feel that feeling of hurt. But I'm here to help you this morning and tell you, don't let that hurt turn into sin. See, that hurt will turn into sin. And now all of a sudden, you, you stop doing what God is requiring of you to do. See, this is never about what people have done to you, how they've hurt you. It's always about you and God. And so what you have to do, you have to still do what God wants you to do in your hurt, in your frustration. In all of that happened, you still have to go to God and says, God, I'm hurt. I don't even know how to pray right now. I'm hurt. I'm devastated. But God, I don't want to lose you because you are everything to me. and You are all I have. And with all that has gone on, it just feels like I'm alone. But I know I have you. And so I don't want to lose you. I'm going to worship you and praise you. I need you to just consume me. I want your love to just come upon me. I want to feel your presence. I need you, God. I can't do without you. I'm hurt. This wound that's in me. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to fix my broken heart. And I don't want to just not follow you and obey you because of my hurt. You don't deserve to be treated any other kind of way. It wasn't you that hurt me. And so I need to just hold on to you. I need to worship you. I need to adore you. Church, I'm telling you something that I know. When you get hurt, you can't run away from God. You have to run to God. Because when you run away from God, then you find yourself in sin and when you're in your sin it becomes more sin and now you tell yourself they did me wrong and so I don't care no more and now your heart gets hardened and you're wondering how to make your way back and it wasn't you that did the wrong it was people that did you wrong and now it's so hard to find your way back Oh, somebody hear me today. Somebody hear me today. And God is letting you know you have a hard 
hardened heart. But he loves you in spite of your hardened heart. He knows how you ended up there, but he sent you to this church. He allowed you to be in this church so I can preach his word to you, so I can help you today. God is speaking to you. He's using my voice, but it's him that's speaking. It's him that's saying, I'm not finished with you yet. I have great plans for you. I know the thoughts I have towards you. They're great. They're wonderful. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I have called you, and I chose you. You are my child, and nothing can stop my will. Will you hear my voice? Will you hear me today? I am with you. Just trust me and obey me. I will make a way. Somebody needs to lift their hands and worship the Lord. You need to lift your hand and worship the Lord today because God is wanting to help you. God will not leave you stranded. God will not leave you nor forsake you. God's got a plan for you and God has chosen you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you because He knew from the foundation of the world that this was going to happen to you. But God loved you so much that He chose this day that he will speak to you. He chose this day that he will move on you. He chose this day to raise you up, to deliver you, and set you free. God told me how to help you get through your heart and heart. Listen to me right now. Listen to me right now. We're going to worship the Lord in a second. Here is how you get your heart and heart fixed. God showed me. He showed me. He showed me how to get the heart and heart fixed. Hear me. Hear me. How does the ground become hard? How does the dirt become hard when there's no rain? When there's no water, oh, the Holy Ghost is here. When there's no rain and there's no water, Tony, the ground get hard and now it becomes hard and now it's hard, it's tough because there's no water. And the only way it can get tough, it can get, it begins to break up is if water comes. And so that is the natural, but here is the spiritual. God wants me to tell you today the way your heart gets hardened is because there's no rain. There's no rain coming down. There's no rain coming down. And so while you was hurt and while it was it was going on because you didn't allow the rain to come down. Uh, you began to experience uh, travesty and devastation uh, because no rain came down out of heaven for you. Uh, but he sent me by here to tell you today uh, how to get the rain to come down. Uh, in the natural, the way it rains on uh, in the natural is uh, water get vaporized uh, from the earth and go up into the clouds. Uh, and when the clouds are filled, uh, it releases rain uh, and we begin to get rain. That's the natural. Uh, and God wants you to know today if you want your heart and heart to be fixed you gotta send up some rain you gotta send up some praise when you praise God when you pray to God when you lift up the name of Jesus when you get out of your comfort zone and you don't care who knows and you run the aisle and you jump and you sing and you shout and you worship when you do that you're sending up rain you're sending up water the vapor is going up your praise is getting vaporized. Your worship is getting vaporized. Your prayers is getting vaporized. And when it gets into the heavens, the Lord, He opens up the window of heaven and rain begins to come down. He begins to rain on you. And your heart and heart begins to receive rain. And your heart and heart 
becomes broken up and receives rain and no longer is it hard. If you're going to get your heart right, you got to pray right now. If you're going to get your heart right, you're going to have to praise God right now. If you're going to get your heart right, you're going to have to worship God. There is no other way to change your hardened heart. There's no other way to get your heart right but to repent of your sins, to pray unto God, to praise the Lord, to worship Him. When you do it, the vapor will go up. Oh, hallelujah, somebody send up some vapor this morning. When you lift your hands and worship God, you're sending up vapor. When you lift your hand and worship the Lord, you're sending up vapor. Will you send up some vapor this morning? If you want God to rain down from heaven upon you, as the praises go up, the blessings come down. As the prayer go up, the blessings come down. As the worship goes up, the blessings come down. You want God to rain down blessings upon you. Won't you send up some praise? You want God to send down some blessings upon you. Won't you send up some worship? If you want God to do something in your life, won't you pray in faith, with intensity, and say, God, thou art my God. I've sinned. I've allowed my hurt. I've allowed my pain to cause me, Lord God, to disobey you, to cause me, Almighty God, to do my own thing to cause the mighty God to walk around wounded and be upset with everybody and not do your will but today Lord I've heard your word I've heard what thus saith the Lord if I will send a vapor if I will send a praise if I will send a prayer then you will rain down from heaven the glory and the blessings of God somebody step out on faith today step out on faith today and worship the Lord. Step out on faith today and praise the Lord. Step out! Step out! Step out! Step out! God has come to break up the fallow ground. God has come to set you free. God has come to deliver you. Step out and worship Him. Step out and praise Him. The devil thought he had you. The devil thought he had you. He didn't know what God wanted me to speak into your life today. He didn't know what God wanted me to speak into your heart today. He didn't even know what I was going to say. He didn't know what I was going to say. But today God has allowed me to speak life and to speak his will into your life. Step out on faith. Worship the Lord. Praise the Lord. And God will break up the holograms. God wants to do a work in you. But it's up to you today. It's up to you to let God do what he wants to do. It's up to you if you will worship him. If you will praise him. The rain from heaven will come down. The rain from heaven will come down. There's a miracle that God wants to do to you. God wants to use you as his witness. <laughs>
and God will destroy the yoke of bondage God will set you free from all captivity God will raise you up God will show forth his glory in your life God will open your steps and direct you oh if you will repent and call upon me I'm there for you there is no pride oh God oh God oh God oh God there is no disgrace there is no problems in going to the Lord and confessing your sins and asking for forgiveness there is no pride there is no disgrace just go and tell it to him God wants to do a work in you God wants to do a work in you. There's an awakening. There's an awakening deep down in your soul. God has connected your soul. God has connected your soul to Him. God is stirring right now. Ah, Masandalamaha. God wants you to stretch out and grab a hold of His hand. God wants you to stretch out and grab a hold of His hand. The devil was plotting on you. The devil thought he had you. He thought he had you. He thought he had you. But I've come to you in the name of the Lord to tell you no weapon form against you. I don't care what the devil has spoken into you. I don't care what he has done. I don't care what he has worked in your life. I've come to tell you God's hand is not too short that he can't reach you. <laughs> the devil is a liar and the truth is not in him. Oh God, have your way today. Have your way, have your way, have your way, have your way. Oh, the devil is a liar. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The devil is trying to discourage you. The devil is trying to discourage you. But I've come to tell you today, remember the word of the Lord today. God, the great God, was manifest in flesh, justified in the spirit. Oh, preach unto the Gentiles, seeds of angel. Believe in this world and receive up in glory. There is nothing too hard for God. Listen to me. I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost. There is nothing too hard for God. God can do exceeding and abundant. There's nothing too hard for God. He can do what needs to be done in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray the power of God. I loose the power of God upon your child right now. I loose the power of God. I loose the power of God. By the power of the name of Jesus and the authority of your word. I lose the power of God upon you that this day there will be a revelation that will come to you. There will be a great move of God's presence in your heart and in your mind in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for your people today, Lord God. They have cried out to you, Lord God. They've called on your name today, Lord God. 
Oh God, and seek your face today, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God. <laughs> I pray, Lord God, that you will liberate them, Lord God. Oh God, will you remove the weights and the sins and the burdens that they rest upon themselves? Will you remove it now, Father, in the name of Jesus? All burdens be removed right now in the name of Jesus Christ. All weights and all sins be uprooted and be removed right now in the name, in the name, in the name. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, in the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus, in the name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, let God have his way. Let God have his way. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the most High God, let him have his way. Let him have his way. Let him have his way. Oh, God, what will you have me to do? Will somebody obey the Lord today? Will somebody trust the Lord today? Hear the voice of God. Hear the words of the Lord and obey. Obey, 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 obey. Hallelujah. Oh, she can't do Oh, hallelujah. Ah. Oh, one more time before we leave, can we just worship the Lord? Before we leave, can we one more time just worship the Lord? Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah.